Hi, everyone. Welcome to Light from the Rabbit Hole podcast. I'm Don Whitney. I started this podcast to share my own story and to share stories of light in the dark corners of trauma, chronic and mental illness, and addiction. It will also include brave stories within the LGBTQIA community. On today's episode titled, Let's Dispel the Psychiatry Stigma, I interviewed Dr. Lori Goldman, who is a medical doctor, psychiatrist, and functional medicine practitioner who's been in private practice since 1999. But she's so different because she's a different kind of psychiatrist. She is trained in integrative and functional medicine, which adds a completely different approach and level of normalcy to psychiatry. She founded Clear Path Wellness to help her patients reach their maximum state of mental and physical health using a personalized, comprehensive approach powered by the principles of functional medicine, which treats the whole person and not just the symptoms. I was fascinated understanding more about the world of psychiatry from the functional medicine and integrative health perspective versus my own biases of what I thought psychiatry was really all about. Dr. Lori shares some amazing information regarding warning signs of when to seek out a psychiatrist. She touches on medication and she dispels the stigma that many of us think of when we hear the word psychiatry. Also, one of her fastest growing patient demographics is the LGBTQ plus community. And she reveals some startling statistics that you don't want to miss. Let's dive in. Okay, welcome to the show. I am very excited about my guest today on the show. Her name is Dr. Lori Goldman, and she is what we would call a certified functional medicine and integrative health psychiatrist. My gosh, that's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. It's always (laughs) hard to figure out what to say. (laughs) So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about being here. I'm excited too. And I'm really uh, thrilled that you and I found some time to do this because I know how busy you are. I, my intention of doing a show, and I'm sure you feel the same way around psychiatry is because we haven't done anything like this yet on the show. We've had a lot of really interesting people on the show. And what I liked about you once we had our initial talk is that you're not a traditional psychiatrist. Correct. Right. Which a lot of people, which thankfully, I want to make sure that all the listeners are excited to hear that because I know that there's a little bit of a stigma around psychiatry, unfortunately. Just a tad or a lot. (laughs) And you're different. So this is going to be fun. Yes. And a lot of fun. Absolutely. I'm a traditionally trained medical doctor. I specialized in psychiatry. And then I got out into the real world and saw what people thought of psychiatrists. And I said, oh dear, we need to change this. Yeah. For sure. then, Then I went back and knew I needed to get integrative or functional medicine training because it was much more than just meds and psychotherapy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so how we found each other, let's talk about that so everybody kind of knows. So uh, you are friends with my friend, Tony, correct? I love Tony. She's Tony Davis. I mean, who doesn't love her, right? Exactly. Um, She brought, has brought so many wonderful people to the show, including Dr. Rowe, who I know that you know well. Yes, exactly. I love Dr. Roseanne. She's amazing. I think the first time we talked, um, it was like a 90 minute phone conversation. It was just like, yeah, you know, and, and we just thought so much alike without having met. So it was such a natural 
collaboration. Too right. bad not in Illinois and she's in Connecticut. I know. That's right. I should say you're based in just outside of Chicago, Chicago. correct? Yeah. 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 And so you, you actually knew Dr. Rowe and then yes. how did you get connected to Tony through Dr. Rowe maybe? or through um, friends of friends, just okay. um, a lot of colleagues that are, are much more integrative and kind of in the online virtual world as opposed to the academic world. Okay. And then just our paths crossed. Yeah. Um, I not in mind share, but I imagine I will be eventually since everybody I know is part of that. And that's a wonderful community as well. Yeah, it sure is. And so you heard Dr. Rose's podcast. It yes, sounds like you liked it. Yes. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. Well, she and I had a lot of fun because we're, we're both Italian. Italian. Yes, the Italian I mean, connection. You know, it's, all we, it's all we talked about. But uh, no, no, you talked about a little bit more. <laughs> good. Okay, good. I know. I was thinking, gosh, all I did was talk about, you know, how we were going to make pasta sauce together and everything. Well, I want to come over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Between I, the olive oil and the wine. I owe her some olive oil and um, she owes me some wine. I need to call her mm-hmm. on that. <laughs> so, okay. So let's talk a little bit. Um, I wanted to start kind of from the beginning. So everyone kind of has a good understanding. What, what we're going to talk about today, I think that's interesting is, a little bit around the stigma mm-hmm. of psychiatrists, why functional medicine is different than traditional. Yes, uh, it's very medicine. different. Mm-hmm. We're going to touch a little bit on medication because I know my perception of psychiatrists in my experience with my son has always been around, you know, has not been the best. The, the mental health system in the U.S. is, is really broken. It really is. And we can address that, but there's still ways, there's really good people good providers and good people in there. And maybe I can give some pointers on how to find and identify them. That would be wonderful. But they're there. They really are. But this doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it easy. And we're going to talk a little bit about some warning signs. So I think this is really important for anyone who's listening that's considering to going to a psychiatrist who's been to one, who's looking for one, who yeah. is wondering if maybe they need to go to one because there are some things happening with their kids they're not sure about, um, right? All that stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. But this is the interesting thing. Uh, we had this great talk, and then at the very end of our conversation, you like dropped this bomb on me about your how you got started in this business. Oh. And my your first, first job, my first, first job at residency. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start there. So this was back in '94, right? Yeah. When um, you finished kind of your residency. Yeah. So tell me about that. So, um, so um, 1994, I finished my residency. You know, I had finished medical school four years prior, college four years prior, and now I had to go get a job and pay back all the loans that I had. <laughs> um, I was like, oh dear, what am I going to do? And, um, you know, I checked around for jobs that would be nine to five-ish and weekends off because I was tired. And actually where I um, did my residency, there was a um, section of um, psychiatry and the law. And all of a sudden they had the um, privatized contract for the mental health services for the jail at Cook County. And mm-hmm. Cook County is Chicago. So I never felt so white and so suburban in my life. And I so never privileged. felt overly, <laughs> overly privileged, but it was amazing experience. Yeah. The best mean, experience of my life. And that was your, what's interesting is that was your first job out and you were hired. I think you told me to focus specifically with the women that were in the jail. 
Yeah, there had been, um, I, I think there was legal consent decrees because there was a really an underserved population. And yeah. at the time, um, Cook County Jail was the biggest single site jail in the country. There were over 10,000 detainees, about a thousand of them were on psychiatric medication mm-hmm. and about a 10th or about a thousand were women. Um, and, you know, that's bigger than state mental hospitals. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's really, really, really horrible. But historically there's always been um, a back and forth. Are they bad or are they mad? So is it crazy or they're just bad? And the chronicity of mental illness is horrendous. Mm. I, I had moonlighted at state mental hospitals that aren't your nice suburban worried well, um, but I saw levels of untreated mental illness that I know my colleagues had never seen. Um, yeah. Which is both wonderful opportunity for me, but awful for people suffering from it. Yeah. I mean, do you see that? So... Uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious about this. You see that a lot in the jail, a lot of people that have a, a pretty serious mental health issue and but they're just and that's one of the reasons why they've committed a crime and they're in jail. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And the comorbidity, meaning additional Ill- illnesses, which is substance abuse. Mm-hmm. It's like ninety nine point nine percent. It's substance mm-hmm. abuse until um, proven otherwise, but even outside of that, that they had a core mental health issue. And when I mean, um, serious, I'm talking about significant level of psychosis, hallucinations or delusions, which I kind of laugh at at times because you get this black humor, but I go to the equivalent of the inpatient unit and there'd be like three calls to the white house, people from trying to call the white house because they were delusional or they would call Oprah or try to call Oprah. But, um, so I was astounded by, um, the severity of illness, how untreated it was, but also, um, just the social economic overlay. Now I came from a very middle-class family. I did not realize how privileged I was until I was there. Um, you know, it was 88% African-American. It, it just is, um, if anybody uh, doesn't believe that there's institutionalized racism and, you know, big socioeconomic um, problems in our country, work in a jail. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. And the easy part, I mean, the nice part was, I mean, the detainees, it was like anywhere else, you know, it's like patients are patients. Yeah. So, um, so you would see these, you would, uh, obviously you probably had a pretty big caseload. You'd see these women. And yeah. I would submit to at times. Yeah. And it was really to give them medica- evaluate what's going on with them and treat them while they're in the jail. So yeah. the jail, they're pre-trial. So um, they can be up there for a year before they go to prison. And there's different dynamics in a jail setting. But as you can imagine, there's lots of what they call antisocial personality disorder, where they behave outside of societal norms. Um, but the psychosis was what surprised me. So bipolar, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, That's scary. Um, yeah. just horrendous. I mean, yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I I think I might've mentioned this to you when we had our talk that I, you know, my son um, had 
obviously he's he's got some addiction issues yes. that have put him in a situation where he's gotten into trouble with the law a little bit. Right. And I actually had um I've had people say to me unwittingly, I think, I mean, not hope, hopefully not maliciously, but who have said, you know, don't you just think jail would be the best thing for him right now? Like getting him in there, getting him off the street, getting him out, it'd force him to not do drugs, which we all know is not true. There's lots of drugs in jail. Yes. Um, and women get pregnant in jail. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there's this misconception, I think, that if you have a mental health issue or an addiction or whatever, and you end up for some reason, there's some inner intertangling with the law, which usually there is. So, so, so common. And yeah, that's mm -hmm. addiction is so well, you know, better than I do multifactorial for yeah. like a better description, biological aspects and then environmentally what's going on. Yes. And, you know, and getting, if you get an addiction, then you start use uh, selling and get mixed up or, you know, yeah, there was All so that. much crime related to just the addiction. Right. And I, you know, don't see those people as wrong or bad in any way. And it was limited what kind of treatment they had. You yeah. could get court ordered to a certain treatment within the jail. Um, but, oh, okay. um, but those spots were like, you know, gold because it wasn't easy to get in those isn't spots. That, isn't that the worst? It's so underfunded. It it's is so underfunded, underfunded for sure. Yeah. But I think people that don't understand um, mental illness and addiction and all of the stuff that we're, we talk about on the show, I think, or that are living in a, another life that is not, right. you know, like, like we, we live, right. right. Um, we don't understand that that is probably the worst possible place for someone like my son to be sitting in. Yeah. Right. Jail, not jail and prison, unfortunately is not rehabilitative. No, it's not. And that, if I tended to believe that before I went, I understand it, you know, 500% more now. Yeah. So you did, you were there, what, three years, right? Three years. Okay. And then did you start your own practice? Then I went into suburbia and saw the <laughs> other end of the spectrum. Yeah. And I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, actually it was a really re rewarding and wonderful and patients are patients no matter what. So, um, yeah, so then I, um, uh, it was a difficult environment, not only to be incarcerated in, but also to um, serve in because there's a lot of, as you can imagine, difficult mm -hmm. things. So I needed to get out for my own sanity and yeah. a friend from residency who was in the suburbs. And it was easy at the time to start a suburban private practice. And I did see people at the other end of the spectrum. And I don't mean um, that too sarcastically. It's just, you know, it happened to be a more white, predominantly white um, area, middle class. You know, I saw much less severity of mental illness. Did you? Okay. Um, but then you start seeing things that nobody wants to talk about. And yeah. wants to put under the rug. Um, yeah. And um, you would think it would be a quiet, not... Um, there's a lot that happens in a psychiatrist's office. Lots of people go to psychiatrists. Yeah. So there's a lot, lot happening. So in what superficially, it looks like the opposite end of the spectrum, but it's really not because we're all the same. Now explain explain this so people understand kind of how this all works in the in this mm -hmm. in this world, in this mental health world. So okay. you have so psychiatrists are doctors, 
Right. Medical the mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And obviously you can prescribe medication, all of that. Right. And then what do you have after a psych? What is like the level below a psychiatrist? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to be, <laughs> I'm not trying, but so I did, like four, a, I did four years of college. Okay. I did four years of medical school. Then I did right. four years of residency. Oh my gosh. So okay. up until like, um, my first year of residency was internal medicine and neurology because wow. you need that background to be able to utilize medicine. Okay. Um, because it's um, not just psychological, but the physiologic underpinnings of that. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays um, you have some states allow psychologists to prescribe. Mm. Which I real sorry, but I don't support because they don't have any medical training. Okay, they have nurse practitioners, which is a whole different story. Which is wonderful because they have medical training and they we think similarly and they're yes. trained similarly. I okay. think there's also physician assistants um, yes. that have medical training. So and you have, that, and you have like, so you have psychiatrists and you have psychologists right. and then you have therapists and social workers, right? Is it kind of right. that? Order? Um, okay. Yeah. Am I right? Be, this is where it gets confusing. I believe good therapists um, it doesn't matter the background, their training. So after a certain amount of time after school, it sort of mixes up. Yeah. Um, but yeah. psychologists have a doctorate level training. Okay. Uh, and social workers usually are master's levels training. Yes. Okay. Got it. And now they have professional counselors. So I think it's one thing to always ask the person you're going to, because it is good to understand what their background is. Yes. And, um, I'm in the field and it take, takes me a while to <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it so is confusing. So if you, since you have the background that you have, obviously you're someone that can prescribe. Right. And so let's talk a little bit about that because I will tell you, I don't know if I told you this when we had our first call, but you know, my son was in a treatment center at 13 and it was a residential behavioral treatment center in Utah. And they immediately diagnosed him, which I don't know. I still to this day, I'm like, yeah, no. were you, are you really, yeah. Do you really think that he's borderline? I, I was very early on. My, right. And my first, um, well, there's a lot, uh, <laughs> the diplomatic way of saying there's a lot of controversy about labels and, and mental yes. health. I agree. Um, and I was always taught and I continue to believe personality disorders are something you diagnose over a period of time and you don't diagnose adolescence. They're developing the personality. Um, You, what looks like one thing at age 13 is not the same thing at 23 or 30. Right. Right. And you know, there's a competition. It almost seems to get diagnoses um, on the medical chart and that's why I'm saying um, sometimes you have to write things down to get insurance to pay. Mm-hmm. But um, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Take the diagnosis with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, Especially at that age, right? Yes. Because yeah. you know, a 13-year-old, they could be yeah. bipolar. They could be a personality disorder. All they kinds could of be stuff. Bipolar too. Yeah. And you just don't know over time. Right. And I mean, they put they put him on... Uh, medicate a lot of medication out of the gates. And one of the medications they put him on was Seroquel, which yeah. I felt really, I mean, 
it was not a good, you know, it's an anti-psychotic drug, correct? Right. And, and he remembers, he has really um, not good memories of being on that. There were yeah. a cu- couple medications I think that he did really well on, but it was really um, not a good, not yeah. a good experience. When I went into psychiatry, I, as I said before, we started taping is my friend's father was a psychiatrist and he was kind and warm and engaging. That was my image of a psychiatrist. It seems like it's a competition to see how many medications and it's a very punitive environment. Mm. Um, the psychiatrist, no, a medicine is supposed to help you feel better. I don't care. Um, yeah, you could get tired the first few days from it, but if you feel worse, there's something wrong. Yeah. First okay. foremost, I definitely know there's over-medication. Um, we're not taught to look at any underlying medical illnesses. Like now I treat people, that's the first thing I do because there's yeah. so many nutrient deficiencies, inflammation, hormone imbalances, chronic infections going on that if you treat that, those other symptoms go away. Yeah. Let's talk about this. So this is the functional medicine part. Right. And I really want everybody to hear that is so important because Dr. Rose said this on her podcast and you're saying it, that a lot of times you will go to see a psychiatrist or see a therapist and they don't check under the hood. They're not doing labs and they're not checking. And I'm telling you, Dr. Lori, this is the problem that we had with my son. Yeah. And we still have to this day um, to to really understand what's really going on. We we just did a genetic test for him and it came back with all... I know. I'm excited. Did you do genomide? I did that... um, It's We got it at a naturopath. She did it. And and also Dr. Rowe told me to do that MTH... What is it called? MTHR, yeah. MTHR. So we did that and it came back and it showed all of the uh, drugs that don't interact well with him. Mm-hmm. You know, that he wouldn't. So, and like 10 of the drugs on this list were drugs that he'd been given over time. Yeah. That he's not supposed to be on. So the integrative health piece and or the uh, functional medicine piece, talk about that. Yeah. So functional medicine is basically looking for underlying causes that manifest in the symptoms. And I look at neuropsychiatric symptoms as brain related. Um, But what happens in the brain happens elsewhere in the body too. Um, Some things, you know, end up in the brain, some things end up in the kidney or the lungs, but there's similar processes. And um, I don't know, psychiatry somehow only thinks about medication and um, traditional psychotherapy. They're not looking into anything else. But as I mentioned, how does that depressed symptom come to be? That can be a result of nutritional deficiencies. Again, we're overfed and undernourished. It's the average person in the U.S. is undernourished. I do blood work looking at those things, and mm. everybody's low on vitamin D. Yes. Oh, um, gosh. Yeah, I was B so vitamin. low on it. Oh, gee. Yeah. Yeah. And just simple things like that which isn't simple, it changes your life, or vitamin B12, also inflammation, you know, kind of like the same thing when you skin your knee and it gets all swollen and red and itchy and with a scab. But if that happens in your body, that fuels all sorts of diseases, including your brain. So there's ways to address that. 
So what I do is look for causes that manifest neuropsychiatrically. It can be mood, it can be anxiety, it can be psychosis. Um, things that look like OCD, Dr. Rowe mentioned, is something could be um, a chronic infection where the um, immune system starts attacking the brain. And that's called PANS or PANDAS to strep B um, yeah. infection from that strep throat you get. Your, yeah. your immune system. And I saw a patient a few months ago, um, you know, five years ago, I would have diagnosed him with first break schizophrenia. I mean, I couldn't tell the difference. Wow. But I didn't treat him with antipsychotics. And he was at a place, you know, he's at home. And because it's the it's COVID, everybody's at home. And his parents were very motivated. Um, and there was no reason to medicate him because he was safe. And treat yeah. him with antibiotics and a few other things. And he's 95% better. Oh, you are kidding me. What did he have? What was it? It was this, um, it's uh, pandas, which is um, yeah. the immune system attacks the brain after a step re, step strep B infection. Yeah. Dr. Rowe has a, has a, a child that has that or had yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. She talked about that. And I think yeah. if there's a lot undiagnosed out there. And they don't, nobody talks about it in adults, but it's in adults too. I mean, it doesn't just appear out of nowhere. So, um, so you yeah, found that, that out through the yeah. Testing. Well, the parents uh, the parents had some inkling, so they found they sought me out because I knew that that I would be open to seeing that. Um, and you know, the parents were great historians; they knew their kid. Sure. Uh, so yeah, exactly, and. That's what I hope to find. Not everybody's that clear cut, but we look for underlying causes. Mm -hmm. um, and conventional psychiatry just gives you medicine. Mm. And they don't listen to the patient. And that yeah. is why I went into psychiatry, because I wanted the relationship, the power of the therapeutic relationship. And unfortunately, conventional medicine, you know, it's not that the doctors are bad. They have 15 minutes. And it's sort of their hands are... Um, handcuffed at what they can do and think so you know insurance covered labs is what I order um okay and I order a bunch of them you know I'm functional medicine so I probably order more than like an integrative doc would do um what's the difference can you explain that integrative is sort of a little bit of everything and they go with mind-body medicine um and functional medicine can be within integrative, but functional medicine really looks at the science behind your gut, your microbiome, all the all systems biology, mm -hmm. um, which is where the future of medicine should be going yeah. um, and is going and why we have all these autoimmune and toxins um, affecting people. Yeah, absolutely. So if somebody's looking for a psychiatrist... And what are your recommendations to find how to, well, there's the psychology today. Right. Um, psychology today is good. I'd look for an integrative doctor. Yeah. Um, sure. I am partial to functional medicine and Institute for Functional Medicine. Okay. There's not that many of us in all honesty. Is that um, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Dr. Amen, who some people like and some people don't like, um, has the right idea. Um, he has some functional medicine. He looks at labs. He looks at a spec scan, which is brain. Um, so ifm.org will 
point you toward functional medicine practitioners mm -hmm. that have okay. training. So that's a good place to start. Um, I said Dr. Amon's clinics that are all over. Um, Dr. Green, there's a lot of people. So you want integrative. There's a Dr. Greenblatt out of um, Massachusetts who um, kind of is, I want to say the grandfather, and I'm probably the same age, but, uh, um, you know, he does nutrients and um, nutritional lithium, not pharmaceutical lithium, because okay. lithium is, a, you know, a mineral and it's in the um, periodic chart um, and we need it in our body, but not in the doses you get in a prescription lithium. Ah, interesting. Um, and there's, it used to be, <laughs> this is the fun fact of the day. Um, lithium used to be um, in 7-Up. Oh my gosh, really? And that's why it's called 7-Up because I think it's the molecular weight of lithium is 7 you're kidding. Just like, no, just like cocaine was in Coca-Cola. Wow. Yeah, I know. But lit, but the point is um, lithium is an element that we need in our bodies to function. And okay. there's some correlation. He's got a whole book about um, nutritional lithium. And I know there's studies about um, the amount of lithium in the you know, in the soil is correlated to suicide rates. There's a whole bunch of things. Interesting. Anyway, I can get off. On yeah, no, that's interesting stuff. I didn't even know that. So, yeah. the, so you'd want to find somebody that is really that really knows that's going to look. Uh, I think IFM is probably the best trained, and that's I, mean, I am biased that way. Okay. But holistic or integrative, um, you know, Andrew Weil, who does a lot of integrative medicines. And they have a mind-body. I'd still go functional over mind-body okay. um, that are going to look at lab work and talk to them. Um, there should be somebody. If you can't talk to the doctor, you should be able to talk with, you know, the person answering the phone. They should know what they're doing. It's so and, hard to get in to see a psychiatrist. My son has been trying for months. Yeah. It's so hard. And he's he had to, I mean, to get to you... You have to go through all these, a lot of times you have to be referred, right? In the conventional system with the insurance, unfortunately, yeah, because okay. there, there's not enough psychiatrists um, and you, there's not enough of them. Um, there are good ones out there and there are yeah. good ones that want to be helpful. And, the you know, ask around, ask everybody you know, um, therapists know, um, you know, the person on the other end of the insurance, if you can get friendly with them, who's the good one? Who do people really like? Um, you know, make okay. friends with the um, receptionist on the phone. Vic can get you in. Um, and the most is, does the doctor listen to you? Yeah. You know, my smartest thing with adolescents and kids is listen to mom. Mom is going to lead you the right way. Mm -hmm. Mom might know that might not know the technical terms, but she knows her kid better than anybody. Yeah. And does the medicine, you know, what are they saying about the medicine? Do they, does the clinician hear you and believe what you're saying? Yes. You know, if the doctor doesn't believe you, find another doctor. Oh, I know. Um, that's so important. So, I mean, that's such good stuff that you just shared. Tell me about because we're going to talk about statistics here in a second, because okay. I know you've got a whole bunch. But yes, before yes. we do that, let's talk about warning signs. So my question is, 
as from a mom's perspective, you know, there were some signs early on with Cole that we now look back and go, mm, maybe that was something that we yeah. probably should have, you know, we should have checked it out yes, um, or talked to somebody about. And that's probably the biggest regret when uh, my husband and I, we just, we just released a podcast together Oh, and he was on, yeah, you'll have to hear it. He's, yeah. He's Cole's stepdad. And so um, we talked about, you know, some of the things that we, not specifically, but we talked about kind of like, hey, there were some things like seven, eight that we were like, oh, "Oh, wow, that's kind of odd. Just behavior. We weren't sure. And we were kind of like, well, maybe that's just the way, you know, he he processes things or whatever. Right. And I have friends where they have kids that are younger kids that are really out of control. And they can't get a handle on them and their kids just fly off the handle and have these anger issues. And, and, and that's a little bit of what Cole had too. And so when do you think it makes sense to, to go see somebody like you? I'd start, well, a couple things. I wouldn't start with a psychiatrist because if you go to a psychiatrist in the conventional system, they're going to put you on medicine. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you could get neuropsychological testing, which is diagnostic, or you could go to a therapist. And it's got to feel right when they present them what they're finding. It's got to it's got to resonate with you. If it doesn't resonate, they're all you know they're not seeing your kid right. Use um, your gut, right? Your gut instincts as a parent. Right. Exactly. Um, neuropsychological testing can uh, um, shed light. It's not too early to do that kind of testing. Um, you know, your kid has a lifetime ahead of them. That's when you want to invest money. You don't want to wait till they get in high school or college. You know, the earlier you start, the better. You know, these days, um, I would start with nutrition. Mm. Gluten, sugar, and dairy. Yeah. As goofy as it sounds, um, it can be life-changing. I had one young girl had... Um, episodes of anxiety that kept her out of school for two weeks at a time um, and no med or therapy was helping um, amongst a lot of things getting changing her diet made a significant amount of difference wow. and I was like astounded I've always heard about gluten in the brain but it was so true um, yeah like it creates like a fog doesn't it yeah it can she got into these episodes and it's different in everybody that's the thing um, naturopaths are good. They're not licensed in every state. Um, I'm going to give a plug for Noel. Here I go. Cause I'm not biased by anything. Um, <laughs> I would do micronutrients. Yes. Um, there's a place called Hardy's nutritionals and, um, it's daily essential nutrition and it's just a lot of micronutrients We're what do they give you because i'd like my son to do this what do they do is it um, just like a little like little pills or what yeah they can cap they have both capsules and powders okay yeah it would not be a bad idea whatever is easier to digest it's a fair number of pills in a day but um but otherwise if you can make a smoothie or drink out of it a lot of people like that and find that easier um yeah. there's lots of ways to do it um fish oil oh yeah i take that yeah, I mean, there are, ideally, you can find a naturopath or integrative doctor, um, a child psychiatrist that is integrative. Um, but yeah. I'm saying advocate for yourself and do a lot of reading. 
yeah. a lot of reading. I'd look at Dr. Greenblatt. Um, I'd look okay. at Hardy's Nutritionals. It's do the research yourself, advocate for your kid. Because, I'm going to put that in the podcast notes, all of that. that okay, you, great. Yeah, we need that um, in there. Yeah, it's advocate. Um, do your research and bring it to the doctor. Um, because there's not, without trying to be arrogant, there just isn't many of me. I know the people in the country that have the functional medicine training um, and that are psychiatrists. There's getting to be more and more, but they're still few and far between. And then their practice still might be different than the way, you know, I do it or mm-hmm. you know, down the streets. Yeah. So it's, it's finding a clinician who's going to hear, hear what you're saying and asking for and work with you. Is it covered typically to see someone like you under insurance or no? At this point, I don't take insurance and I've chosen to be outside of it because I can't do what I want to do. Yeah. In the system, which is the hard part. Yeah. But there are there are clinicians that are within different systems that do it. That do it. Okay. Um, yeah, this is part of the whole thing being broken again. Crying exactly. out loud. Exactly. I mean, I, yeah. I can even go on like stupid stories of why I got out of insurance. And um, yeah, I've heard those kind of stories. I know you're not the first. All right. Let's talk about these statistics because you've got some good ones. And I want to just also mention, which I thought was really interesting when we were talking, you were telling me that a large portion of your clientele right now is within the LGBTQIA community, a lot of transgender, right? Yeah, something I've seen because I started practice, you know, in the 90s. And I have more and more transgendered um, people, which is, um, it was surprising at first, but makes sense. And watching people go through their transitioning, um, you know, is actually pretty amazing and wonderful to see them come into their own. And, mm-hmm. you know, I saw a like I saw a number of adolescents that would present with anxiety and depression, you know, but nobody was talking about the elephant in the room with either their sexuality or their gender identity. And, right. you know, they might have a difficulty of bringing it up themselves um, because they know or feel they know what their parents and community are going to say and respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but when you get those things addressed, not perfectly, but a lot of the depression goes away. Yeah, um, isn't that something? That's, well, tell me about your stats that you have. So the stats. Um, that are not the best. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're not optimistic. Yeah. Um, this tells us how much need there is. The annual prevalence of a mental illness among different demographic groups. So for lesbian, gay, and bisexual, it's 37.4%. Wow. One third. To me, that's just horrendous. Yes. Um, lesbian, gay, and bisexual youth are four times more likely to attempt suicide than straight youth. Four times. It's crazy. But the third, the second leading cause of death between ten and thirty-four is suicide. Transgender adults are nearly. 12 times more likely to attempt suicide than the general population. 12 times. That's insane. That's horrendous. Yeah. And don't you just love how people who are so uneducated around what being transgender is all about uh, think it's a choice? Don't you love that? That's my favorite. And psychiatry has a really understandably stigma um, because of how 
they had opinions about homosexuality and mm-hmm. other sexual identity and gender issues. That is just a cringe um, of how pejorative it is. Yes. Um, yeah, we're missing the beauty of people. So much to learn um, oh, yeah. from people's beauty, which is the fun part of psychiatry um, for me. The overall suicide rate in the U.S. has increased by 31%. Since 2001. That's just, um, I bet it's astounding. It's like astoundingly high right now during COVID. Oh, I can't even imagine. I don't know what that stat is, but I bet it's out there. Ugh. It's, um, yeah, I know this, this podcast series um, talks about the tri- tri- trifecta of, yeah. um, uh, mental health addiction all right that. thank you addiction is a mental health disorder mm-hmm. so you that's number one you yeah. have second mental health disorder which can be depression anxiety um, PTSD yep. you you have comorbid um, comorbid illnesses which complicates diagnosis and treatment yeah um it, I'm almost always like without words. And the difficult thing today is there's not enough studies and treatment places that address LGBTQ plus. Right. Um, and all things are not equal. Yeah. I have, I'll give to you support and resources um, about the American Psychological Association. There are um, LGBT um, association and counseling Okay. There's um, Association of Gay and Lesbian Psychiatrists that actually sounds oh. related. The National Center for Transgender Equality, um, the National Help Center for LGBT, um, and the Gay and Lesbian Medical Association Provider Directory. Okay, good. Um, we got to get all that. Yeah. You know, my, it's funny when my son was looking for a psychiatrist recently we got online and I can't remember where we were at, what we were looking at. And um, he's like, mom, are there any gay or lesbian or trans psychiatrists? Cause that's where I want who I want to see. Yeah. I definitely and, want to you all this. Yeah. They, I know yeah. they, I know they're there. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, well, I know you have a client soon, so I want to, I have to be respectful of your time. You are, first of all, you are lovely. You're a lovely person. Thank you. And um, the listeners don't know this, but you have the two cutest dogs. Oh. <laughs> well, well, mine's pretty cute too. Yours is, yours is a, a, I think mine are a little behind yours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Well, when we got on, they were on your lap and I was like, yes. oh, I like Dr. Lori already. She's a dog <laughs> person. Yes. I can see why, honestly, I can see why you are so successful in your practice and why people, you've been doing it so long and why people come to you. I mean, you're, you're wonderful. Thank you. You really are. How do people reach you if they want? You're probably pretty busy these days. I am pretty busy. But but I have a lot of information um, on my website. And it's just my name, Lori Goldman, L-A-U-R-I-E-G-O-L-D-M-A-N-M-D.com. Okay. That's your website? That's my website. Okay. I'm going to put that in the notes too. That's good. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you gave such a good uh, overview of psychiatry. You explained the functional medicine piece of it, which I love. I actually didn't know all of that. So I'm really glad oh, you did. I'm glad. I know because I'm like, just like Dr. Roseanne, I want to get off on the rooftop, rooftops and scream it. Yes. Um, because when I started residency in 1990, Prozac had just come out. Now it's oh. 30 years later, which I um, horrendous to say, but 30 years later, and we're doing the same thing. I'm like, what in yeah. the world? Yeah. I mean, and the world is not the same. No. And the reason I found functional medicine is because the medicines that worked in the 90s wasn't working for the same type of things. Everybody would come in with depression and anxiety, but it wasn't, it was depression, anxiety because of something else. It yeah. was a classic thing that would respond to medicine. Right. And you know, it's slowly changing, but it takes a while, a long while to change. Advocate for yourself, advocate mm -hmm. for your loved one, research, yeah. research, research. Well, we need more doctors out there like you. That's what we need. We right. meet, we definitely do, who are checking under the hood, as Dr. Rowe calls it, yes. and looking at all of those things prior to saying, oh, you look like you have this problem based on your, on what you're telling me. Let me give you, let me order you a bunch of drugs that you're going to take that aren't going to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. speaking from experience with with my son, but yeah. um, but anyway, I just am so grateful that you came on the show. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I really enjoyed myself, and I love your podcast. And oh, you do? Oh, oh my god, yes! Because there's it need we need to talk about it and take it out of the shadows. Oh, there's your thing, and it's you. just a lot of people need a lot of education. They do. And when you share your story, when you when you just share your truth um, and the journey you've been on, you realize you're not alone and yes. it feels safer to talk about, you know, yes. and that's the first step, right? Yes. So yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. You're the best, Dr. Lori. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. A very special thank you to Dr. Lori for sharing her slant on functional medicine versus traditional medicine and why she feels it's imperative to practice this more holistic approach within the psychiatry field. She was extremely approachable and humble in her interview, and I can see why she's a very successful psychiatrist, and I was lucky to have her on the show. In the podcast notes, she provided me with so many wonderful resources and support that I will list for those who are looking for a psychiatrist, just like Dr. Lori, and she has some excellent resources for the LGBTQ plus community to find a specific LGBTQ plus inclusive healthcare provider. If you want to reach Dr. Lori, you can reach her on her website at www.lorigoldmanmd.com. Until next time, subscribe for the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Apple podcast, or visit lightfromtherabbithole.com. As my good friend, Tony says, my mission is my movement, and I hope you were moved with just a little more kindness and compassion today. Until next time. As a reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only and to bring awareness and resources to those in need. This show will have expressed opinions, and it is not intended to replace the guidance of one's medical doctor. <laughs>